We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. And we're back. Finally. Yeah. Dude. Sometimes a week's too long, huh? Sometimes two weeks is too long. Yeah. Seems like it. Sometimes two days is too long. Yeah, from being in, being in each other's presence. Yeah, I need you. <laughs> I need your musk. It's, fun, it's funny that you say that because a lot of times I don't think anybody needs me. Mm. And then other times I'm, I'm pretty grateful to be needed, you know? Yeah, we're, actually, we're alcoholics, man. I do know that. Yeah, so it's good to be back in the studio. It's good to see you. Good to be here with some with some new story, new topics. I'm excited about these ones. Well, I like so, this one today. Yeah, we're uh, we're listening to a story from Scott. Scott's the hope dealer. The hope dealer from from, uh, from New York. Yeah, we know a couple of hope dealers, and he's he's uh, currently in Pennsylvania. Goes to New York for. Um, for interventions and, and spreading his ministry and, and his message and helping people get clean and getting them into rehab. So we're excited about that. And we listened to his story. We, we've talked to him a couple of times. Um, and out of that, listening to his story, we got the topic of breakups or breakthroughs. Right. Are yeah. they breakups or are they breakthroughs? Well, Scott in his story talked a lot about, uh, you know, having to go through this process of um, breaking up with people, places, and things. Yes. Um, and I think that that's an important part of our recovery. Something that we often have to deal with at certain points in our life is just dealing with the pain of that breakup. And it, and it doesn't mean, you know, a relationship or yeah. Um, with a loved one um, in the typical fashion, but it can definitely mean, um, you know, parting ways with uh, people, places or things that are no longer serving us in, in a fashion that uh, that is conducive to our sobriety. And and there can be a lot of uh, a lot of emotion around that. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a difficult thing to navigate sometimes. And, and luckily, you know, we don't have to do it alone. Right. Yeah. I mean, have you found that to be true, Willie, that, uh, that, I mean, I know in my own case that I've had to, I've had to cut ties with people. Yeah. What, what's it your comes, experience? It comes so illusional in, in the beginning, you know, I remember, I remember so many attempts in the very beginning of, uh, well, I've been trying to get sober for so, so, for so fucking long that it's almost embarrassing, but, um, there, there was this idea so many times over and over again that I would just, you know, be able to go see my old friends and I, it would turn out okay. You know, I could go to the old places, do the old things. I could go to a bar and play pool. I could go to a friend's house and watch a game. I could, you know, meet up with an old girlfriend and, and it not lead back to drugs or whatever our relationship was like before. And it took it takes a while i think sometimes to really dial in that that these places these things and these people must be um 
like uh, removed from from our lives because I'm a, I'm just as addicted to people, places, and things as I am anything else. Mm. Um, I used people, places, and things as a solution to the problem of self just as much as I used drugs and alcohol as a solution for problem to self, you know? And so, uh, um, it's definitely a process in learning that stuff. I can't remember what your question is cause I wasn't listening to you, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that helps or, <laughs> or well, no, I was just yeah. looking for maybe some specific examples. Uh, yeah. So, people. so people for sure. Um, uh, in, in, uh, early sobriety, you know, I've, t- I've talked about my time in, uh, in treatment when I was 24 mm-hmm. and I went through treatment and, and I met a lot of neat people. But when I, when I got out of treatment, I found myself needing to spend a lot of time alone because I was always, um, like gravitating towards the same type of people. And so, uh, one of the things that happened to me in order to get me sober was that friends that I thought were friends, um, and codes that I thought were codes, uh, had to be removed from my life. Right. And so growing up the way that I did, did you say codes, codes, like, what do you like mean? um, like, uh, values, certain, certain, okay. certain belief structures, okay. um, uh, rules, you know, and, and for me it was the street code. Right. Right. Um, right okay. And so like, uh, that was something that had to be removed from my life. And so, um, any type of, of gang activity, um, any type of criminal activity, any type of people participating in that type of stuff had to, and it, and it comes at a, at a painful cost because, um, deep at a, at a deep level, I want to be part of a relationship with people. I want to be part of an inner circle. I want to be part of a tribe. I want to, I want to fit in. Um, I never felt like I did. And we, and we've heard that so many times on the show that, that, uh, we as alcoholics find that we don't feel like we fit in anywhere. We Mm -hmm. always kind of feel different. And so finding a place that works for us, uh, in active addiction, it's really difficult to break up with that stuff. It's really difficult to come to the belief that those things can be toxic and dangerous for the ultimate well being of ourselves, you know? And so, um, breaking up with the theory of, of, um, like no surrender to the street code type thing was, was really difficult for me. I had to step away from the gangster mentality of walking around puffy chested, um, feeling like the world around me is, is very dangerous. I had to walk away from, you know, the imagery, uh, the, the, the portrayal that I had of myself, mm-hmm. the way that I dressed, the way that I carried myself, the way that I talked, you know, I had to break up with all those things and, and start over kind of on a new slate. And it's right. been, it's been a really interesting journey because, um, I can't sit here and share a message of recovery based in spirituality while, um, if I'm still, you know, uh, wearing colors to a gang and, uh, selling drugs and not being sober, you know, and, and living in that kind of street mentality. So, uh, all those things had to be removed from me. Um, anybody today, anybody that is in active addiction that is not, um, around me in a recovery setting, 
I avoid completely. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't, I don't go to the bar to hang out with people that are drinking. Right. Now, if you're drunk and we're doing a 12 step call on you, that's a completely different story. If, if you've been using and we're trying to get you sober and we're going through like what's what Scott talks about, you know, like trying to find you help or, or get, you know, if we're, if we're doing the active work of recovery and the person that's around me is loaded or using or drunk, then that's a completely different story. But I don't put myself in situations where I know that the entire thing is, is solely based around drinking, like a Super Bowl party or a birthday party or an anniversary or, you know, anything like that. Um, I just, I don't go there because it's too dangerous for me. It's just too dangerous. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had to break up with all that kind of stuff. Well, and that's the thing is like, it is, it is dangerous. And that's, that's the, that's the reason that we have to break up. That's the reason that we move on from, from those relationships and, whether they're relationships with people, places, or thing, I think a lot of the times what we're really breaking up with is this identification with, with those things. Um, I identified as a, um, as, I mean, I want to say an alcoholic, but what I mean is I identified as somebody that was drinking every night and that was okay with that. I identified as somebody who um, was uh, was successfully drinking. Yeah. Right. Um, now it wasn't true, but like, (laughs) that's what I identified with. And like every night, like I was drinking Yeah, and, um, and that was just so much a part of my identity. I, I expected people to just accept that about me. Um, and, um, and you know, and I gravitated towards those people that were going to accept it and towards those people that wouldn't judge me or condemn me for it, and towards those people that would also drink and use that same way. Um, So Support that behavior. Yeah, exactly. So when we talk about um, sobriety, what I ultimately, like what happened is I had to become divorced from the idea that that's who I was as an individual. Right. And I really had to, to... just just clean the slate um and that was the biggest moment for me was just to forget about all these ideas that i had or like you said codes in a way um i had to just forget every notion that i had about myself and start from the the ground up like what 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 do i really know like what i really really know is that it seems like drinking is is out of control Mm -hmm. i'm powerless over it and that i have a lot of consequences every time i i drink and drug yeah um and that's the only thing that i know right um and so from that point i did have to change the nature of my relationships with individuals for me it happened very very organically Um, I didn't have to have hard conversations with, with individuals. Um, but I, you know, I, I did definitely have to, uh, start spending time with different people. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was people who were going to support what I was doing now. Um, just as I had when I was actively using now I need to, to, to surround myself and gravitate towards those people who are going to 
support my sobriety and um, accept that about me. And, um, and, and that has been life changing for me. So when we talk about breakups or breakthroughs, I think the reason that we, we, we have breakthroughs in the picture is because on the other side of that, um, is growth for me when I, even though I knew that drinking and drugging was absolutely toxic and that my life was unmanageable as a result of, of using it, I, to remove it from my life completely came with a large sense of grief. Um, I didn't like, that was the one thing that was mine. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you identify with that, but that was like, I could, I could use and I could drink and nobody could say anything about it. And that was just, that was something that I wanted to do that I got to do. Right. Like I had to spend the rest of my day going to work and doing all this other crap that I didn't want to do that I had to do. Drinking and drugging was mine. And when I removed it, I felt this large sense of grief towards that part of myself. Um, and so it's very confusing. It can be really, really confusing. And, and, and it did feel like a breakup, right? But on the other side of that was a new beginning, was a breakthrough. Um, and so I was able to come out on the other side of that um, with a clean slate and new possibilities. So I could say to myself, all right, yeah, I, that, that is not a part of me. Um, and I don't, I don't identify as that person anymore. Well, what, what do I know about myself? Right? So then I started to learn new things about myself. Like maybe I, maybe I actually am athletic. Like maybe I am all these things that I had said that I wasn't, you know, um, because I was just in this in, in a, in active addiction for so long. So I began this process of self-discovery, um, as a result of leaving some of those behaviors behind. And I think that that's what we're talking about here is like, we, you know, like it's necessary for us to, to, um, to move on from these negative things in order to, uh, to be able to grow to a new level. And that's what we're all about here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And as, as you're, as you were talking, I was thinking about the process in which, uh, what, like, like what happens to me emotionally when I fall short of, of a decision or I maintain a relationship with something that's, that's negative or unhealthy in my life. Um, because, um, you're right. Once we get on the other side of that, there's once, once we break through that pattern, of habitually allowing, um, either negativity or unhealthy relationships or certain career paths to continue to keep us trapped in that same revolving door of negativity, which, which is our lives at the time. You know, we have a longtime listener, um, and a friend, a huge fan of the show that's been kind of asking for a topic like this mm -hmm. because she's, she goes through some stuff as she wants to grow. And I can really identify with where she's at because, um, what ends up happening for me is, is if we stay in these, these relationships, if we stay in these, um, these places that keep us sick, right. 
what happens for me is, is I make a promise to myself, like, you're not going to hurt me anymore because that's ultimately what happens is, is I go into the same career pattern. I go into the same career path. I, I, I end up around the same people or if they're loved ones, they're family members that, um, I'm watching them kill themselves via food or drugs and alcohol or medication or whatever, you know, that, that affects me emotionally and Mm -hmm. spiritually, you know, Mm -hmm. because, um, now that we've broken through some of these other patterns, like the alcoholism, right. We're on the other side of that. And we have a program of recovery, you know, the, the self mutilation, we've broken that pattern, the, um, street mentality, we've broken that pattern and we, we have these new ways of life. Um, what comes in is this sincere, um, the, this reality of sincerity towards the people that we love and we're able to, to love them, um, without, without regard, right. Or, or whatever. But we watch these people, um, continue in that same pattern. And so, um, if I continue to go back to that, uh, what ends up happening is, is it lowers my self-esteem and my belief system in myself. Mm -hmm. Like it lowers my chances of moving out of it the next time. Um, I watch myself being used by the people and, and my, my ex marriage was, was big for this, right? Um, we were really unhealthy together. Um, but I continued to go back to that habitually. And, and, uh, every time I would go back to that negativity, uh, I would hurt myself a little bit more spiritually and I would, I would lower my defenses and allow a little bit more negativity in the next time. And I would lose more faith in myself of getting out of it. And, and the pain would continue to mount and grow. And, and, and like allowing that stuff is, is definitely like a, a form of self-hatred, I guess, right? Because if we're allowing people, places, or things in our lives that are toxic, painful, or dangerous it's not a great demonstration of self-love, Good right? Point, yeah. And if it's not a demonstration of self-love, then, then what is it? Well, you know, I guess we have to go to the opposite of that and say that it's a demonstration of self-hate um, or, or, or self-fear. You know, there's some fear. And so um, it is scary. You know, it is scary to let these things go, especially if they're family members or if they're habits that we've had for a very, very long time. You know, Scott talks about gambling in his story and having to finally let go of that. And, and, and the reality, like, like one of the things that, that I found myself is like, who, who am I without this right, stuff? Right. Mm-hmm. What am I without this stuff? You know, sobriety was one of those things. Letting go of the drugs and alcohol was one of those things that I just did not know what my life was going to look like without it. I couldn't imagine myself without it. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting out of gangs and getting out of old relationships, especially my ex-marriage, was like, what is my life going to look like without this stuff? Right. Yeah. And so that's why it's a great idea to have like a, a really good support group around you. You know, like, oh, like I think it's necessary. Well, that's the thing too is is we we are only going to ever. Um, be as good as the people that we surround ourselves with. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to say be as good, but I, I just, what I mean by that is that people around us who are um, maybe st- still in active addiction or who, you know, are codependent or 
um, you know, are just toxic individuals. Like we all have people like that in our lives. They, they are actively trying to, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't sound hypocritical or judgmental, but what, what I'm trying to say is people will try to drag you down. Yeah. Instead of, um, instead of supporting you, um, there are people out there that will ultimately always try and bring you down to their level instead of allow you to bring them up to yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, uh, for me is unacceptable. Um, now, you know, at, at this stage of the game, when I was actively using and drinking, like, um, sure you know i would i those are the people that i gravitated towards but now i've got to have those people around me that i can look at and say hey i want i want what you have um i want you know to be on your level um as opposed to just sort of surrounding myself with people who um who aren't going to to grab or or who aren't going to motivate me in that way yeah Um, and that's, uh, that's, and, and, you know, you're absolutely right for me. One of the biggest things was, uh, was, um, moving on from the job that I had. I had had a job for a very long time that, um, that is a good job. I worked at the IRS, like it's not any, um, secret. Um, it's a good government job. It pays really well. There's a lot of stability there. Um, and you know, I kept, trying to convince myself to like this job and I absolutely hated it. (laughs) You know, like I just hated every minute of it. And, um, and it was a good job for what it was. And I am not putting anybody down. I still have a lot of friends that work there. Um, for me, it just wasn't a good fit. And what happened was I got sober and I started believing in myself. Right. Um, and I started, believing that I was capable of things that I had dismissed as foolish. Um, one of those things for me was that I could change my job, right? That I was not stuck. Um, and that I could go back to school to do that. And so that's what I did. Um, and yes, it was scary. Um, one of the, one of the biggest fears that I had was when I, finally put my two weeks in at this job that I've had for 13 years to take a job that was a little more in line with what my new career was. And, uh, you know, from me to you, it was a $10 an hour pay cut, but I was in a position because I had put myself in a position where I could handle that, where I, I, um, that, that didn't have a detrimental effect. Um, and, I'm here, you know, right. I'm here. I'm on the other side of that now. And, and that was definitely a breakthrough. Now I, um, I'm in a career where I make just as much money as I did then, um, more, uh, in some instances. And, um, it's been five years. Yeah. And so, you know, having to go through that pain, um, was absolutely the fuel that I needed in order to, uh, to reach that point where I believed in myself enough to, to part with that, um, and know that it was no longer serving me in a beneficial way and, and go through that with the support and love of everybody around me. Cause there yeah. were a lot of people that didn't understand it. 
there were a lot of people that were scared for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I get that. I get that. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do, but I don't regret it for a minute. Yeah. You know, I'm just so much happier, um, doing what I do now. And, and, uh, and I don't think that I would be here right now with doing this if I hadn't done well, that. Yeah. If anything was different, it would all be different. Right. But, right. But I mean, in, in the other thing that I know that you've talked about, um, cutting ties with was like, um, uh, super scary for anybody that's ever had a stable place to live was like selling your house. Right. So you were like, this, this isn't me. Like you started cutting ties with the belief structures that you had built in your life. Like, like I'm this age, I'm supposed to have a, a house and I'm supposed to have this and I'm supposed to have, you know, society kind of puts these norms mm-hmm. on us and, and we go out and the cool thing about, what we've been able to do on, on this side of the table with recovery is, is really dive in and, and take a look at where our beliefs come from and if they're even ours or not, because some of those beliefs we have to be divorced from. We have to, yeah. we, we have to get rid of some of the ideas that are holding us back or not serving us, you know? And, and I love that you talked about it being painful and scary because every good move that I've ever made in my life has been, a really scary one Mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. first, you know, um, uh, it's really easy to get comfortable in what we have right now, you know, and it's really easy to get comfortable and, and accept where we're at right now and go, well, this is okay. This is, this is fine. And so, um, to be able to like move past that stuff and even have, uh, the ability to, to believe in yourself enough to move past that stuff. Right. Um, one of the things that it doesn't take away from is like, you know, I still sometimes will miss these things, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll miss, I don't know about you, but like, like I'll miss the security of working for somebody else. Sure. You know, I'll miss the, the certainty of the relief that will come with a drink. I'll miss the certainty, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll miss the, um, like the climax that I know I could have with a, with a partner from the past, like, like all those things. And, and I'll start fantasizing or romanticizing those types of things. And that's, mm-hmm. that's another one of the things that, that has to be smashed and crushed on a moment to moment basis. You know, a lot of these, a lot of these breakups, uh, when it, when it comes to, uh, belief structures and, and codes and, and ideas about who we are, they have to be revisited over and over and over again. We have to continually break up with them um, because I have the disease of alcoholism. Yeah, the, you yeah. know, the thing that, that, that drives me and wants to keep bringing me back to the thing that's destroying me, you know, continually looking for happiness in the same place that I lose it, continually trying to convince myself that what didn't work before could somehow work this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, security is so big for us. And I think when it comes to breaking up with things that seem to be secure on a, um, on a social level, right? Like, like having a home, having a job, having a relationship, uh, being tight with your family, those types of things, it scares the people around us. And a lot of times they'll lash out, um, and, and, sometimes be hurtful because we're venturing out. Um, and it comes from a place of fear. Yeah. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. afraid for us. Um, 
for a lot of our loved ones, they saw us in our active addiction. They, they, they knew that, um, our lives were rocky and uncertain all the time. And then we reach this place of certainty in a career or a relationship. And we find out even in sobriety that, that that relationship isn't exactly what we needed for fulfillment. Or we find out that that job wasn't what we needed for fulfillment. And we're, we're injected, if you will, with a new sense of direction for our own lives, right? We get this new sense of passion towards something. We get a new level as we experiment and, and, and um, navigate through all these different ideas about who we are or could be. And then we act out on those thoughts and, and desires. And then it scares the loved ones in our lives. And they come back and they go, you're fucking crazy for mm -hmm. this. Yeah. Why would you leave that? Why would you stop talking to your brother? Why, you know, uh, why wouldn't you come to this family event? Because we've made the decision that those things are toxic for right, us. Those right. things are not in our best interest. And it doesn't mean that we have to stay there forever. It means we have to go there long enough to figure out who we are in that relationship or as a part of that. Some of that stuff, you know, will be out of our lives forever. Yeah. We will move on past it. Like I dare say you'll probably never go back to work at the IRS. Right. Right. Like, um, you know, uh, a past girlfriend, like I'll never go back to my ex-wife. I dare say I'll never be back with her. Um, there's always like the skeptic. What if, right? Like, right. how can you say never, but more, more likely than not, as we break up with these things and we have breakthroughs as to why we're breaking up with those things, um, it's, it's less, it, it's less and less likely that we're going to go back to the things that hurt us before. Yeah, right. Well, and that's, and that's the thing is like what you were saying is it, first of all, I want to just hammer home that this is a process, right? Like it's not anything yeah. that we're, that, that we generally are able to just realize and, and execute overnight. Um, what happens a lot of times is, you know, we might, we might, uh, make the decision to cut ties with a specific individual or a group of people or, um, a place and then we get these ideas back right in our head that, you know, like maybe it wasn't that bad. Maybe I'm overreacting. Maybe, you know, like I can give this person another chance. They seem like they've made some progress, like they've made some real change. Like I'm going to I'm going to reintroduce this person into my life only to be met with the same results. So, uh, again, like the same thing is true for and this is why I love sobriety, right, is I was able to see so many things about myself um and one of the one of the things that i could really really do was to see the evidence in my past in in, in my actions and my behavior and and the results that it got me so what i'm able to do in those relationships is look back and say okay has that ever worked before is there any real reason for me to think that or is this just my way of trying to avoid the fear of being without that thing? Yeah. And in more often than not, if I'm honest with myself and that's critical that I'm honest with myself, it's just fear that is leading me back to that. Um, and so, yes, it is scary. Yes, it is um, not an easy process, but if I can accept the fact that it is a process, not beat myself up for anything that's happened in the past and just take it as a lesson to apply moving forward, then I'm more likely to 
um, to put myself in a position where I can break through to the other side and really receive the proper amount of growth from that, that action in that situation. And that's really all I'm trying to do here, right? All I'm trying to do here is live the best possible life that I can to be as happy as possible, to have as much serenity as possible. Um, and sometimes in order to do that, I've got to make some hard choices mm -hmm. and I've got to stick to those choices. Um, no matter what, like one thing that I'll say and, and, um, I don't think it's a big deal if I share it. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> my wife has a very, very healthy detachment from her father. Uh -huh. Um, I won't get into any specifics. Um, what I will say is that, you know, at, at some point she decided that that relationship was toxic and she made the decision to remove him from her life. And she, uh, she has no anger. She has no resentment towards it. Um, and she has no trauma from it either. Um, people will ask her about it and she'll just say, you know, I just decided that it wasn't for me. And he, he oftentimes will reach out and, and, uh, and say, you know, let's, let's put the water under the bridge. Like, I don't, you can't spend your whole life hating me. And she's like, I don't hate you, uh -huh. uh, you know? And, um, and for me, it is just so admirable to see, to see that, that disconnection in such a healthy way. Yeah. Um, there is no, uh, negative energy surrounded to that. And I think that that's important. Like if, if we find ourselves in situations like, for example, my, my job with the IRS, mind you, I don't resent that job, right? Like it paid for my treatment. You mm -hmm. know, I couldn't have had the health. I didn't have the health insurance I needed in order to get sober. Like, and I was able to take a month off of work. Like, um, I, and, and I, could have a house and I had a car and I, you know, I, for, for what it was worth, you know, like it, it was just fine for as long as it was. Right. right. Um, so I don't have any hate or animosity towards that, um, that job. And I think that that's a big part of this disconnection is that, um, or this breakup is that if I get to a point where I've accepted that that's the action I have to take, then I can accept that that's the action that I have to take divorced of any negative emotion around it right. right like that's the action that needs to occur i'm going to execute that action and one of the main reasons why i'm executing that action is to uh, remove that negativity from my world so i'm not going to associate any negativity with that action yeah um, and i think that that's an important part of uh, of being open enough to break through to something new yeah and so no, that's dope, man. You know, because I forget, I forget a lot of these times of like, I've never viewed the word breakup as a positive, right? Like sure. <laughs> it's always good. Uh, Cause even when we were talking about the topic and how to approach this topic as, as breakup or breakthrough, um, I went, I went there, exactly. right? Like yeah. I went, I went, uh, well, um, like I've never really broke up with anybody harmoniously. <laughs> it's, always, it's always been this this raging uh, inferno of dis of, of dysfunction, you know. And so, um, to be able to to like what you're saying, um, 
Yeah, you know, the truth is a lot of times that is how we break up. That that's how we broke up with with our addiction, that's how we broke up with people in the past, that's how we we got out of situations, but um to be able to come back around and do it from a place without that negativity, without that mm-hmm. fear, without mm-hmm. that resentment. It's a really beautiful thing and and the cool thing about what we have here and what you can find in the rooms of sobriety and the rooms of recovery is a process in which you can get through those things and have those breakups and then identify and remove the resentment, anger, and fear out of those things. You know, a lot of times we have that calling inside of us that we need to be detached from this situation, uh, but we can't do it without a really intense emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. And, and anger, resentment, and fear are really intense emotions. They're really motivating emotions. You know, you hurt me, fuck you, you're out of my life, you know, and then stay in that space forever because we know at least as long as we're in that powerful state of negative emotion, then that thing that once hurt us can't get back in, you know, but then we're dying inside because we're, we're keeping that thing out through negativity instead of releasing it out into the universe with, with the, the proper emotion of forgiveness and love. Like, like I appreciate that you have that energy, but I'm going to be over here in this positive energy where I need to be. Because if I continue to get into negative thinking and resentment and fear, eventually being an alcoholic at the level I am, a drink is going to start sounding pretty good. You know, uh, some type of relief in pill form is going to start sounding pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the dysfunction and the disease is going to start creeping back in. The selfishness is going to start creeping back in and, and I'll find myself back where we've talked about before pounding the bars, you know, just what, what happened? What happened this time? Where had been my high resolve? <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I'm not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, we alcoholics are, are a funny breed where we're able to do, um, the wrong thing with all the right intentions, or we're able to do the right thing with all the wrong intentions where we're, we're able to do, noble things and and what seems to be uh this this great like this great action to make our lives better and at an underlying there's there's this underlying sneaky intention behind it that's going to lead me back to a drink you know it's so important that we stay close to people that have been through what we've been through that have the same outlook on on life that we have that have the same problems that have have gone through this process and been able to stay sober through it so that when we do go and we talk to them and be like, you know, I'm feeling this way, they can identify with it and say, yeah, I was there like yesterday. And so today it's your turn. And so let's do this thing together. You know, none of this stuff has to be done alone. None of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, and that's a critical part of it too, is, is, uh, is, is again, knowing that, you know, like, while while I'm removing those toxic elements, the people and places, things from my life, I'm replacing them with all of the right things, right. all the right people, all the right places, all the right things. Um, and uh, and without those things, I'm liable to just go back, you know, like I've got to replace it with something. Yeah. Um, and people for me is a big one. Um, I I can't I cannot go back to um to some of those people that i you know that i used to spend time with like first of all it's not fun 
it's not fun anymore. Like yeah. it doesn't really have anything to offer me. And second of all, is it, it's too, it, it hurts me too much to watch them continue to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want for them what I have, yeah. right? Like I, I want you to want what I have and you just don't, yeah. or maybe you do. And you're just too scared to take action. It, whatever it is, like I can't control that. I have no control over that. And, um, and so I'm, I'm in a much better, it's much better for me and for my sobriety. If I just step backwards, um, you know, I've had to let a few people know like, Hey, I love you. I will always love you. Um, and if you need help, I'm here. Um, but other, like other than that, you know, um, and again, like I haven't had to necessarily have uh, those hard conversations. I would if I had to, um, but a lot of it's happened organically yeah. um, or in a way that uh, that that is not um, as hard a pill to swallow. But yeah, on the other side of that has been nothing but greatness. Yeah, and uh, and the life I have today is as a result of 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 putting the proper people, places, and things in place. Um, that foster my success. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's, there's, there's a lot to that. There really is, you know, mm-hmm. this, this breakthrough stuff. And, you know, I'm grateful that I'm here and I'm grateful that I get to share this stuff. I'm grateful that, uh, however it works, um, I've had a calling with inside of myself to remove toxicity from my life. Um, I think it makes me a a more uh, open-minded and willing servant to the people around me, you know, and I'm able to spread a little bit more hope. Yeah. Well, and and that's an important part of it. And I'm glad you brought it back around to, to uh to spreading a message because i think that that's important yeah especially with the war story that we have yeah who who is uh nothing but hope for the hopeless you know um scott scott the hope dealer the hope dealer is definitely out there and he's in he's i mean he'll tell you about it but he is doing work in some of the most in one of the most famous drug alleys in America, you know? So, uh, he goes down there and, and spreads hope, helps people find treatment, um, takes clothes and, and food and prays with these guys. And it, it's really inspiring. And, and he's really, really passionate about what he does. And so I'm grateful that we're able to get his story and, uh, his, his ministry on the show today. So yeah, absolutely. What do you think? We're excited to share it. Yeah for this topic so what do you say we'll let we'll let him tell it let's do it let's do it this week's war story is brought to you by brainwash coffee brainwash coffee is a damn good coffee with a damn good cause 50 percent of all proceeds go back into the recovery community which makes it a perfect partner for us here at the other side of hell podcast with delicious blends like coffee commitment found a new freedom we drink a hell of a lot of it here and it gives us the energy we need to deliver a quality show right now you can get five dollars off your coffee purchase 
at brainwashedcoffeeco.com using promo code OTHERSIDE. Clean your bean. Brainwashed Coffee. Now, without further ado, here is this week's War Story. My name is Scott Mannheimer, a.k.a. Hope Dealer. Uh, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, a, a good family, really good family. Uh, raised good. Uh, was a little troublemaker in school, but uh, like a class clown, but it was good growing up to like probably like 12 years old. And then uh, I moved to Staten Island where I started dabbling with like drinking a lot and smoking weed and all that other stuff. And then it started getting a little bit of worse because I started taking steroids and going to the gym a lot. So I started getting a lot of pain in my neck and my shoulders and everything. So I started going to a couple of doctors, started getting pills and selling it and all that. So I started selling a lot of pills and stuff. I went to like four doctors. I got red flagged and everything. Uh, I don't know. I came to a point in my life. It was probably like around like 28 to 30. Like, what am I doing? Am I going to keep doing this life and driving girls around? And I don't know. I drive girls around. I did security a long time. I was just never getting to that level that I really wanted to get in life. I robbed my uncle's house multiple times. Uh, I was just, uh, I was just, I was getting a headache. I was, I robbed my mom's engagement ring. I proposed to my teacher. It was, it was just, it was getting to the point where it was just out of control, just hanging around social clubs, street dudes, doing bad stuff for street dudes, collecting money. Uh, I lost over like two to $3 million in sports gambling. I was just, I was just out of control with sports gambling. I think that was my biggest addiction, which I broke three weeks ago, honestly. And uh, the drug addiction was just, it was getting to the point where I was just out of control. I was sniffing Tylenol because my mental status was like, I couldn't take it, not having a pill if I had withdrawals. So I just woke up one day and I was like, I tapped out for the first time, I say in my, in my fighting career. So I, I came to the point where it was like, I looked up every rehab and I trust the rehabs in America, like, but I, I ended up going to a place in Mexico, Baja, California, Mexico. It was called the Holistic Sanctuary. It was 50000 for one month. Uh, it was the real deal. He has it down to a science. Uh, he does Ibogaine. A lot of people don't know about Ibogaine, but it's illegal in America. And I did ayahuasca. I did hyperbaric chamber. I did Reiki. I did massage. I did yoga. I did a plant-based diet. The guy, I had zero withdrawals, by the way. It was, I had zero withdrawals, which is crazy. Because when you try to get off any type of drugs, I was on Suboxone and Adderall and Oxymorphone and uh, Percocets. And I was just on a lot of stuff. I was like a guinea pig growing up. And I couldn't take it because the government's the real mafia, I say in my testimony. I came to a conclusion. I tapped out. I went to Baja, California, Mexico. I took a trip to San Diego. They picked me up. We went down there, and guess what? Scott got free from drugs. At 33 years old, I ended up going to PA. It was a little, it was a little weird in PA because I'm, I didn't know anybody but my family. I started going to church. I just, uh, I gave it all. I gave it my all. I know it's all about people, places, and things. I'm really high on it and choices and decisions, so you don't get triggered. So I stayed in PA. I started doing Uber. And uh, it was pretty good. I was making a good amount of money, 1000 to 1500 a week. And then I got lost in Kensington. This is the good part. Uh, and I got lost in Kensington. And right in front of one pound cheesesteak on Kensington Avenue, I heard God for the first time speak to me. And he said, I need you here. And I, I heard it clearly. And it was powerful. I had the chills throughout my whole body. From that day forward, me and Will Maris, my ex-girlfriend, we, we ended up doing Jesus Chain Breakers. And it was, 
it was really good. But I wanted to go to another level. I, God wanted to bring me to another level, and I felt it. Like, I'm very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And I, I was like, I want to go to another level. And my friend Arthur from uh, New York was like, I'm in. I want to I see what you got, because he knows I have a lot of passion to help addicts. I'm, like, very passionate about helping addicts. So we go down there, like, three times a month. We bring down food. We bring down clothes. We pray for them. We try to get salvations. And the biggest thing I tell people is God loves you and I love you. I'm here to help you. I know you might have not heard this in your entire life. I love you because a lot of people get numb from tragedy and trauma and, and it roots from hereditary sometimes or like a big, big trauma that they had in their life. So they numb themselves. So I just tell them, I love you. I really do. And if you're ready to surrender and get desperate, I'm here. That's why my name is the Hope Dealer. And my ministry is called Hope Dealer for the Lost. And I, I just want to help as many people as possible. If you hear this, if you're hearing this and you're in any state, call me and I'll, I'll get you into a rehab. I'll make that phone call. I'll make it happen. All you have to do is get, get desperate and, and uh, surrender and just know that you have a destiny and assignment and a plan for your life. And you just have to tap in and just, and, and you'll see, you'll see eventually, you'll see the destiny. And then little by little, God puts that puzzle together. And it's, it's such a sweet thing. Because you don't have to, you can wake up in the morning. My favorite thing is having a cup of coffee. And you don't have to worry about the next fix. It's, and then all of a sudden people call you instead of asking you for drugs or like a gambling account or money, they're asking you for prayers. And it makes me like, feels real good. Scott, I know what you're doing. Can you pray for me? And I pray for healing over their body. I pray for God to make them surrender to break chains and strongholds of addiction. And it's just, it, people feel it through the phone. So when I'm in front of them, People say, I'm ready to go to rehab, get my car. What do you mean right now? Yeah, let's go. Let's get, let's get you free from addiction. Get your family back, get your life back, and get you back. It's all about getting you back. The first time I took it, it was like, I had that warm sensation where I really didn't know what drugs were, like pills and all that other stuff. But I had that warm sensation, and it just, I don't know what it is. It, took, it numbed my pain, but I had a lot of pain. I had spinal fusion in 2013. I have a lot of nerve pain or arthritis, so it was like, I was like, wow, it's that easy to just get rid of the pain and I, I don't have any pain. But now it's like, I know how to deal with the pain. I, I know how to deal with it. I pray, I read the Bible, I go to church events, I go to revivals, I, do, I help other people and that just brings more happiness. But it's just, it, it, I came to a point where it was like, I feel like my body was deteriorating. I, like I have pictures and it was like, I don't know, I just, I couldn't take it anymore. It came to a point where it was like, I needed a doctor or I, for the money and to get the, the pills and it was just to the point it was like you get you get sick and tired of being sick and tired that's my magic word i tell people once you get sick and tired of being sick and tired that's when you get off of drugs yeah uh, i was really big with gamma my dad honestly was doing football sheets and i was just always around like gambling it was my parents gambled a lot and uh we used to do the scratch-offs, and then he did the football sheets, and then I was just around gambling my whole life. We went to Vegas and Atlantic City. But it was like, me, it was like with bookies. I would do sports gambling a lot, and they would give me like this limit that's like unheard of, like four or $5,000 limit. Like, who has that type of money right now? And it was just, it was out of control. I would lie to them. I would say, somebody wants an account, and I have three accounts. I owed somebody 50000 in one week. You know, I had to like do crazy stuff, like around my uncle's house or ask my father. 401k my inheritance was gone i lost a lot of money gambling but i'm happy i'm delivered from it honestly because i don't have any cravings from it anymore it was 
I got delivered from it. And when you get delivered from an addiction, it's it's a good feeling because then you can get everything else you want. When you get rid of gambling and drugs, now it's just your life. Now you can focus on your life and help other people like you're doing on the podcast and bring it worldwide and tell people your story and other people's stories. And it's powerful. And you, as long as you can say that one word, like sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I can reach that one person in America or wherever you, wherever you, your outlets are, that makes me happy. I was just getting a lot of like, I lost a lot of relationships. If you want to know the truth, uh, I'm going to be real right now. <laughs> yeah. You just, you lose, you lose like family <clears throat> and stuff. It's, it's a little crazy. I'm going to be real, but it's like, sometimes you, you have a breakup to get a breakthrough. It's the most powerful message I could say to people. If you ever have a breakup with anything in life, with family or anything, that breakup is going to give you a breakthrough. So sometimes you need that breakup to get the breakthrough. And I feel things are happening. Look, you call me, I'm on a podcast. I'm going to talk in a rehab. And a lot of people don't like when you change. They want the old Scott. And the old Scott is gone. There's a new creation. So if nobody likes to do sometimes you got to love from a distance and just keep striving for greatness. And you'll see the breakthrough will come. And you'll start getting calls from people that you didn't even know. Scott, I need to get an intervention. Oh, I have a friend of a friend. And it, it's happening. I'm doing interventions over the phone. And they're going through. Because God just gave me a mighty gift. And I, I'm good with my words when it comes to interventions. And it's just, it's powerful once I'm in somebody's presence. It's like a 100% chance that I'm, you're going to rehab. And then I, I, I reach out to them. Oh, how you doing? Are you doing smart recovery? Are you doing meetings? Are you doing NA meetings? Are you, are you going to church? Are, what, what are you doing to change your life? G give me the plan. Before you even get out of rehab, make your vision board. Write, write down five things you're going to do, accomplish in 2022. Show, show me you're going to change. You're not going back to Newark or Edison or, or Chicago. You're going to change and go to another place, even though you're bringing you you're bringing you to that same same spot you could change because you're not around certain people that trigger you my grandpa was like my best friend <clears throat> uh he died uh he died when i was 10 i think that's when it really shot like i just didn't care about i wouldn't say life but i just didn't care in general like he uh it was just rough i think that's what impacted me the most he died one day before my birthday i think that really hurt me a lot and i feel like Two years ago, I got released from like knowing that I had a vision when I got a prophetic word and, my, and they said, angels are watching over you. And I seen a vision of my grandpa, literally like a clear vision of him. So I know he's my angel and he's watching over me. And I know like he blocked so many things because I tried to kill myself 12 times, high and drunk, crashing into cars on purpose, 12 times high and drunk. So I know he's watching over me and I know this is just the beginning of what's going to happen for 2022. And it's just, I don't know. I, I really like, it really crushed me because it was one day before my birthday. So it's like, I never had a good birthday, but the last two years, my birthday has been good. Uh, Will Maris got me a nice portrait of him. He got, she got me a nice chain of my grandpa. So I, I always keep him with me. And uh, I'm, I know I'm making him proud. There's a lot of haters out there, but you gotta you gotta just block the haters and just strive for greatness and do what you do what you gotta do and make people proud and just I know he's proud of me and I know the last two years is I've been changing a real lot. I have a saying, let go and let God go. And you just gotta press in and just literally just die to yourself, I call it. If you die to yourself, all the things are just gonna come out of you and you're just gonna become a new person that you don't even know. 
Because there's sometimes that, like, I get into a fight with my parents, and it's like, usually I'll go out and do drugs or drink or go to New York, and I feel that nudge. And I don't, I don't go to New York anymore. It's like, I, I feel that, that thing, unless I have an intervention. But he made a big impact on me, my grandpa. So I, I want to make him proud, and I, I think I'm going to, I know I'm making him proud right now. It was an inspiration. I actually spoke at this pillow chatter in Eastern PA, and I always wanted to work for this guy, honestly. He was an inspiration to me. He's really good at what he does. And I just prayed. I, in, the, in the shower, I would say, Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speaking at Pillow Chatter. Open up new doors and knock out the old doors. Father God, I just want to thank you for putting Joe Brown in my life. And Heavenly Father God, I just ask for, give me the opportunity to work under him, to show him that I am prepared and equipped for this opportunity. And maybe like three months later, he called me and said, oh, I have an opportunity. The guy dropped out. Would you want to come with me to New York? Pick me up. I picked him up. We did the first intervention. I just watched him. I just shadowed him. Like, when you want to grow, you have to shadow somebody that's good. Michael Jordan, Mike Tyson. And you watch their movements and you talk, watch the way they talk. So I watched him for like maybe like six, seven of them. And then that eighth one, I said, let me do this one. This kid looks really good, like tough. He was a amphetamine. He used to shoot it. And he was like, I'm not going anywhere. I was like, Joe, let me, let me get this guy. Go upstairs, please. And I started talking to him. And I was waiting for that one word I understand. When you go fishing, you know when you got it hooked and it's over? I had him hooked once I, he said, I understand. And I'm like, give it seven days. Give it a try. The physical part is the brutal part, seven to 14 days. But once you get past that 14 days, I'm guaranteeing you're going to stay there for two, three months. He ends up going there. And now, look, he has a job. He's, he's not doing the same things. And then it just got easier and easier. It was like I knew the exact words to say to the, that exact person. Like, you put a person in front of me, I'll know them after five minutes, and I'll know how to get them. And I'll know, like, it's either tra child trauma or their parents got divorced or a loss of a loved one or a friend, and they, they didn't know that, how to deal with it, so they want the drugs. And I, I just tap in, and I, I press into them, and I'm telling them, my story and I'm telling them that you have your story's not over. That's the biggest thing I tell people. Your story's not over. It has just started. And people are like, what do you mean? I was like, you get free from drugs and watch the shift and the momentum shift that God does for your life. Just you got to pray, pray and pray and pray. And you'll realize you'll eventually get that encounter of vision and you'll realize your story's not over. And, and it's, it just gets easier with the interventions. I do it in in Kensington, 31 people went to rehab in, in like seven, eight months. It's spectacular. And I'm, it's not over yet. I'm just going to keep going. Kensington is probably one of the worst places I've ever been to. And it's like a big, big place in Philadelphia. Uh, people go from out of state to get the heroin, fentanyl, and actually it's laced with alligator right now. I walk from Kensington from one pound cheesesteak all the way to Kensington and alligator. I go down... With a few people. Now I go down with my friend Arthur. But uh, the 22nd, we're going to be at Needle Park. It's called Needle Park, literally, because there's just, it's crazy. If you look up YouTube videos, it's bananas. Needle Park, Allegheny and Kensington, underneath the trestle. But I, I go from underneath the trestle all the way down to Allegheny. I pray for people. I see who wants to go to rehab. Like, what, what, are, they, what are they looking for? But Kensington is... It is the beast. I can tell you, it, it's a place you got to be really prepared to go to. Not, it, 
God ordained certain people to go down there. Not everybody could go down there and aren't prepared to go down there. You got to be equipped to go down there. Like, it's not a place. Like, we go down there at night, 11 p.m. to like 5 in the morning because that's when the devil's out. That's when I like to go down there. I walk with authority. I walk the streets and they know <laughs> there's angels all around me like transformers. <laughs> so I walk up to people. And I just walk up to people and say, God loves you. I love you. Here's a water. Here's a sandwich. Here's some clothes. I got clothes all behind me right now for the 22nd. I got, it's going to be a bash, my birthday bash. Instead of doing, going out to a club or drinking or going out to dinner, I want to I show love to Kensington. I'm going to go down there with a lot of clothes, a lot of food. And I, my goal is literally to get three or four cars packed to go to rehab. And I have resources all over, all over New Jersey, PA, and New York. So... And I have Baltimore. I, wherever you want to go, I'll find a spot. Like, I can make a phone call in Florida. I have a hookup with Mark, Mark Wahlberg's brother in Logan, Boston. There's a rehab up there. So if you have any state insurance, any insurance, reach out to me. Uh, the Hope Dealer, you can find me on uh, Facebook, Scott Mannheimer. And uh, let's get it rocking and rolling. This is just the beginning. Yeah, I can see that's definitely just the beginning for yeah. sure. Yeah. This guy's got some stuff to do. Fire. On fire. He's got some Excited. fire. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun to talk to him, man. Thank you. Thank you so much, Scott. Um, you know, uh, do, if if you dare, like Google and check out Kensington. It's pretty It's pretty savage down there. Um, I remember watching a documentary on it before I, I ever talked to Scott. Um, and it's heartbreaking, the amount of uh, disease that's that's down there. You know, and to have somebody like Scott be able to, you know, turn his life around and 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 have this calling to go down there where the people are dying in, in numbers from the disease of addiction like this is pretty inspiring, you know. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. We need we need a lot of people like that for sure. And and I think, you know, the one thing that um I appreciate about his story is uh, when he talks about getting people help, he's like, Hey, what, what do, what do we got to do? What, yeah. I mean, what do we got to do? Like, well, you know, like get you into treatment. What kind of program are you working? Are you working AA? Are you working a smart recovery? Are you working like, it doesn't matter what just yeah. work something, right? Are you going to church? Like, what is it? Um, because I think that that's, that's the important part is like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what you do. Like it, it absolutely does not matter what you do. The important part is that you take some action and that's what he did. And that's what he's out there like doing, yeah. um, still is, is spreading that message, spreading that hope. And, um, you know, one thing that we've seen consistent in all those different pathways, um, as far as, uh, as, as a, as a likely outcome that you will stay sober is helping people. Yeah. And, uh, community. Exactly. And, and that's what, that's what we see Scott doing. And thank you for, for yeah. sharing your story. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, he touched on, he touched on gambling, which is, which is, uh, it's, pr it's probably bigger in, in the addiction community than I realized because, uh, we were all kind of gambling with our lives, but he got into some shit with his gambling, oh, you yeah. know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of money. Yeah. Lots, lots of money. And, and uh, able to able to turn that around, and you know, congratulations on. I I don't know what you call uh, gambling clean time, but I think it's just abstinence. Abstinence from gambling, you know. Um, 
And, and like we said, you know, we got that, this topic from his story specifically, you know, that part where he was talking about, um, breaking up and breaking through and, and, uh, a lot of times it's it's painful to get that mm-hmm. like he was saying and and uh, a lot of times it's worth it yeah definitely worth it so you know i can't thank you enough i think i think it's great what you're doing down there i think it's great all the people that you're helping um you know he said it himself you know if you're if if you need help uh give him a call he'll he'll figure something out yeah, he knows people try it yeah he can uh, connect you with whoever yeah yeah and i really liked that uh that you know that that was the part of his story where he started getting emotional was when he was talking about the breakups and the breakthroughs and and uh and you know he said they want the old scott yeah and i'm not that scott anymore and and you know i had people like that in my life that wanted the the old cameron and i that 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 cameron could not exist anymore um and so you know in a way we had to had to kill that Cameron so this Cameron could yeah, come through. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, death and rebirth kind of thing. That's right. You know. Yeah. So so awesome, awesome, awesome. I I needed this. Yeah, me too. It's been good. Yeah, yeah. I remember some of the things that I've been able to let go of in order to have what I have today. What I have today is is uh, is absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I'm so blessed. And I'm, I'm grateful to be here with you all and grateful to know people like Scott. Yeah. And Jordan and Cameron and Rylan. Grateful to have all you guys. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Rylan. Yeah. So get out of here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, we will see you on the other side. You are worth the work. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.